visit us at facebook.com slash securefreedom with Frank Gaffney. Welcome back to all of you, and most especially to our next guest. His name is the Honorable Kenneth Blackwell. He has been uh, a distinguished public servant in quite a number of capacities, elected as the mayor of Cincinnati and as the treasurer and the secretary of state of the state of Ohio. He has also served as an ambassador for the United States at the United Nations, um, working on human rights issues there for a time. He is these days a senior fellow with the marvelous Family Research Council, among other things, and a very, very good friend of this program. We're always delighted to have him with us. Mr. Ambassador, welcome back. Good to talk with you. Frank, it's so good to be with you, sir. I always appreciate the visits because uh, among your many incarnations, you've spent a lot of time focused on election integrity. And there was a very adverse development in the House of Representatives in that regard yesterday. Um, it's now teeing up a major, well, hopefully debate and uh, struggle in the United States Senate. Um, introduce to our audience, if you would, or reintroduce, as the case may be, um, HR4, as it's being called. What's it about? Why is it so problematic as you see it? Let me set the table first, Frank, and say that the foundation of the American system of self-governance is liberty. And the core expression of the people's liberty is in the ability to vote in free and fair elections. So safeguarding the integrity of our elections is paramount to preservation of our, our republic. Uh, H.R. 4 is a blatant power grab. It is an attempt to federalize um, our elections to impose a one-size-fits-all scheme for elections that would undermine our core principles of self-government and, and federalism. Uh, this destructive uh, legislation uh, would ban voter ID, ban cleaning up uh, Voter rolls ban voter identity verification for absentee ballots, dictate how district lines are drawn for for everything, uh, precinct lines, school board districts, legislative, uh, judicial, and congressional districts, every political boundary in America. Uh, and it would empower the Department of Justice and make the attorney general uh, the czar of elections through their advocacy of preclearance. Uh, so, look, this is dangerous. This is an existential threat to our republic, uh, and it actually comes from the same crowd that served up defunding the police, inter creating a, 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 a open door for a wave of. Uh, of, of crime at, in our local communities, the same group that that is advocating for for open borders, they just extended. They they don't just want America to be a nation without borders. They want voters without borders. I have considered this to be a wrecking operation, uh, Mr. Ambassador, uh, that is manifesting itself in the ways you've just described, to say nothing of Afghanistan, which we've been talking about with previous guests. Uh, but one thing just to clarify, I had understood that the previous iteration of this bill, this monster H.R. 1 or S. 1, as it was called in the Senate, enumerated all of those horribles and said this is what you know will be going forward, the law of the land nationally. 
no voter IDs, for example, and mail-in ballots for all and all that. But that this bill was um, a bit more cynical and sinister, really, in that it didn't lay out all of those things as much as it simply said it's up to the attorney general to deem what is appropriate in the various states, which will translate to the same thing, to be sure. But it was going to be a little less transparent about how really antithetical to election integrity is the intent of such legislation. Am, am I wrong about that, or is it uh, is there something of a hybrid here? They, it is a hybrid. They they changed the script. Uh, <clears throat> this is they they added pages to their to their playbook. So this is not what it once was. Uh, it, again, it is more destructive, actually more comprehensive, uh, but more in keeping with. Uh, a, a system that would be under one party control forever. And it just tees out for us as a man who, you know, has run elections in the past as well as, you know, served in elective office. What are the implications of having, well, to put a fine point on it, I guess, arrangements akin to, if not identical, to those that were employed in many states, certainly swing states across the country in the 2020 election as kind of permanent law going forward. Yeah. And, and just think about this, Frank. Uh, if you go back 100 years, uh, we had the 1918 pandemic flu. We had the 1929 economic disruption. We had 1968, the waves of urban violence. And then 1974, we had uh, the impeachment uh, process uh, kicked in the high gear. In 2020, we had all of those. And within that context, we saw a loosening of the chain of custody of ballots. We saw a, 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 a an abandonment of verification policies and practices, common sense practices and, and policies. Uh, and we and saw widely that, popular ones at that. Right. <laughs> and and we, 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 we saw we saw an expansion of the field of opportunity uh, for irregularities and, and fraud. And so what has happened is that state legislatures have, in fact, put in place common sense reforms like photo voter IDs uh, that would in, and the pro, prohibiting uh, private dollars uh, to make our elections uh, highly partisan. Uh, they, in fact, uh, have, have been met with uh, these false charges of a throwback to, to Jim Crowism uh, and a heavy push uh, from the, the, the left to resist those common sense practices. Those practices would make it easy to vote, but real hard to cheat. And that is in the American spirit. Uh, and I think that's why those those reforms are so popular across racial and ethnic lines. People really do want to make it easy to vote, but hard to cheat. Uh, and so and while we put a lot on the line uh, to make sure that access to the ballot box was was easy, was 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 there for for all Americans, all legal citizens of America, uh, in the last 15 years, we've understood that it's important to make sure that no illegal vote cancels out a legal ballot. 
and that is what we're what we're doing with this reform. When you uh, look at this issue of voter ID, um, uh, Kenneth Blackwell, you are, as the left like to say, a person of color, though. I don't know that they always recognize that as so, given your politics. But um, how do you respond to this insistence on their part that um, it is denial of voting rights and access to the polls to insist that people um, of color, as well as others, uh, have voter IDs? Well, look, the, the left on, in, in this matter is stuck on stupid. Uh, and what's so irritating is that they think uh, Americans are stuck on stupid and we're not. Uh, photo IDs uh, are so commonplace in American culture. You you need them to pick up tickets at a wheel call window at a baseball game. You need them to get on an uh, airplane. Uh, and if I want to go to Coca-Cola and talk to the CEO, uh, before I got up to his office, I would have to show a photo ID to verify that I am who I claim to be. Uh, and so you just mentioned Coca-Cola because it was objecting as a corporation to voter IDs, as and, I recall, and, and in Georgia. Delta Airlines uh, initially, uh, and and uh, Major League Baseball. <laughs> you know, they 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 wrapped themselves in in wokeism, uh, and until we woke them up, <laughs> and, and that is because just like the abolitionist Frederick Douglass and you, my friend, uh, we understand that those who are whooped easiest are whooped most often, and, and we're fighters. Uh, and so uh, this, 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 this common sense uh, reform was positioned as being a, a throwback to Jim Crowism. Uh, but what was so ironic, and I'll just use Major League Baseball, they moved, the base, they moved that game from Atlanta to Denver, Colorado. When you do a side-by-side comparison of the reforms in Georgia versus the established policies in Colorado, Colorado is more, more restrictive. And so uh, people uh, people understand this. And the small business owners, uh, many of, of whom were black in Atlanta, really did get outraged when they saw a uh, an economic impact of $110 million go from Atlanta to Denver. Yeah, rightly so. Um, Ken, let me just ask you one question. Quick question, because our, our audience is, as you know, particularly, I think, uh, interested in and concerned about national security. To what degree would you say that how we elect people in this country, and whether that can be done in a manner that actually reflects the will of the voters, is a national security imperative as well as vital to the common wheel more generally? Well, Frank, look, we are free-willed citizens as a consequence of the form of government that we've experienced in this country for 245 years. We are not subjects. Uh, And if you look at the the instinct, the intentions of totalitarian governments, authoritarian governments, big welfare states, it is to convert free-willed individuals to subjects. Look, as, as, as those folks who uh, would uh, move us into a one-world government, destroy our our, our nationalism. Uh, all you have to do to answer your question in in completeness is to say that the same folks who, in fact, have offered those destructive policies that we've seen manifested by Joe Biden right now, that's tanking him because of the rejection of the American people, are the same folks who would move us towards 
a a more insecure America, less of a, a free and powerful nation state to being a weakling in a in a one world government framework. Thank you for addressing that so directly and and so articulately, Leslie. And we only have two minutes or so quickly to respond, if you would. The Supreme Court of the United States uh, has just ruled um, by a six to three margin that the Biden administration must reverse course and make a, quote, good faith effort, unquote, to restore the, uh, restart the policy of remain in Mexico, which Donald Trump engineered and made such a profound impact on this whole border insecurity issue. Your thoughts, sir, on the importance of that and whether it will be fulfilled? Just tied into what I what we just previously said. Look, this this crowd, uh, Biden and company, wants to have us uh, a, a a open border uh, a country, uh, putting our citizens at risk in terms of human trafficking and and those who would do assault on our way of of, of life, uh, with with these waves of 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 of, of Folks who want to find safe haven into our, our country, we actually need to vet them. And it was a common sense pr- program to, you know, vet them outside of the United States. Uh, and I think the Supreme Court not only understood the correctness uh, of of the, the the Trump policy. I think more and more Americans are saying, you know, just as these folks want to defund the police. They wanted to deconstruct uh, that common sense practice uh, of, of of vetting folks outside of our country before we let them in uh, without understanding their intention. So bravo to the Supreme Court. Yeah. And let's be clear, as part of a broader assault on border security and, and immigration uh, enforcement more broadly. And uh, and I think most especially the idea of discouraging people from coming here in the first place or trying to come here in the first place, it was a vital tool. So I very much hope that uh, it will be followed faithfully by the Biden administration. But it's uh, seeming to take a sometimes yes, sometimes no attitude towards Supreme Court rulings. We'll be watching it closely, as I know will you. Ambassador Kenneth Blackwell, thanks for all you do, my friend, have done for our country and are continuing to do these days at the Family Research Council. I appreciate it so much and look forward to talking with you again soon. I look forward to talking to the rest of you again tomorrow. Same time, same station. Until then, this is Frank Afney. Thanks for listening. This is Frank Afney with the Secure Freedom Minute. My beloved boss, Ronald Reagan, repeatedly warned that, quote, every generation faces an existential threat to freedom, unquote, adding that it had to be fought for and defended and passed on to the next generation to do the same. With each passing day, it becomes clearer that we are now beset by the existential threat to liberty of our time. For example, we are being subjected to an unmitigated disaster in Afghanistan that is emboldening jihadists and other enemies and alienating our friends the arrival of millions of illegal aliens, some of whom are ill with COVID and or other diseases, all of whom are unvetted. The institution of vaccine mandates and passports highly susceptible to Chinese-style government abuse and legislation that would foreclose future free and fair elections. Will we defend freedom or ignominiously bequeath to the next generation a formally free America? This is Frank Gaffney. You've been listening to Secure Freedom Radio with Frank Gaffney. 